Hello, Lorraine here. I've got something special for you today. We're giving you an edition of the new daily podcast from The Times. It's called Stories of Our Times and is presented by Manveen Rana. It comes out every day and focuses on one story. This episode is about a couple who are about to get divorced and because of the current situation are in fact co-self-isolating. I hope you like it and if you do, be sure to subscribe and rate it and have a listen and let us know what you think. As we all learn to live in isolation, couples around Britain are being forced to make tough decisions. Actually, there are reasons why I'm quite happy that we're stuck in the house together at the moment. You know, we're getting divorced, but it doesn't mean that I want her to be isolated with some hellish plague. Today, we talk to one couple, in love, but separated by the virus. I was supposed to visit Katie over in London, and obviously that's been cancelled. And we don't know when we're going to see each other next. And another couple who decided to part ways, but have been forced to isolate together. I'm a herbal tea-loving vegetarian, and he's a pot noodle-loving carnivore. This is Stories of Our Times, from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, love and divorce in the time of corona. My name's Kenny Campbell, born in Scotland, now living in the Welsh borders and self-isolating quite happily for the meantime. Hi, my name's Helen. I'm currently self-isolating with my ex-husband in mid-Wales. The universe works in strange ways, doesn't it? Helen and Kenny were together for over 10 years, And for them, the coronavirus couldn't have come at a more peculiar time. Slap bang in the middle of their divorce. So, coronavirus has landed at exactly the same time as we were getting our act together and working out what we were going to be doing for the future. So I was working in London a lot, and because we've got cats, and I was planning to come back and live more in Wales and commute a little bit more, while Helen moved out to another lovely little property in the Welsh Hills. The timing, of course, um, screwed all that up. Because of coronavirus, they're living in the same house, but we spoke to them separately. Dr Jenny Harris... Deputy Chief Medical Officer, advised couples that to fight coronavirus, they had to decide to either be together or be apart. There can be no jumping between houses. But when the coronavirus outbreak began, Helen wasn't even in the country. I flew back early from a trip to the US. So this was going to be my year of travelling, ironically. (laughs) I managed to achieve a dream of visiting NASA in Houston before I came back early from my trip. And um, then things started obviously getting a little bit concerning in terms of the flights being cancelled and obviously trying to take the best advice as well about health and, and, and to be respectful to everybody else as well as keeping ourselves safe. And so I made the decision to fly home earlier than planned. And I grabbed her from Heathrow And at the back of my mind was always that thought, well, what if she's picked something up on her travels? So from my perspective, actually, there are reasons why I'm quite happy that we're 
stuck in the house together at the moment. You know, we're getting divorced, but it doesn't mean that I want her to be isolated with some hellish plague. The first few days, we were very, very polite to each other. And there was lots of, oh, would you like a cup of tea? How are you doing? And it was very, very polite, um, very British. I think it's sunk in now that we may be in isolation together for several weeks. And so um, I think the forced politeness might be softening a little now. Is it hard, though? Because in a way, living together is exactly what you've just decided you really don't want to do it is odd but at the same time being pragmatic about it there's a few things that I'm keeping in mind one is that as far as we know we're both healthy we feel lucky Uh, we've got a roof over our heads there's obviously a lot of families and friends in you know who are in much worse positions and my heart goes out to them and the other thing that happened which was completely unexpected was On my way back from Heathrow, I got a call to say that my youngest brother had been diagnosed with cancer. It was a massive shock. I found out in the same day that he had been diagnosed with cancer and that he was having a huge operation the following day because all the news came tumbling in at once on my return. I'd had four flights cancelled trying to get back from Austin, Texas. And so my family didn't want to add an extra layer of worry and so they they held off telling me what had happened until I got home so in one fell swoop I got the news of your brother's ill he's having an operation and at the same time I was taking in I've got to probably live with my ex-husband for a few days I thought maybe a few days at that point I didn't realize it would be weeks and months and actually of course we were together for 10 years and so he knows my family And he was equally as devastated as me to hear that that my little brother was going through such a painful time. And so in a way, there has been a level of comfort in it because he's very empathetic and sympathetic about what's happening, which is nice. Is it reassuring going through this incredibly difficult period with somebody who knows you so well? In some ways it is. Um, At the same time, I, I suppose... I feel like I want to be a slightly different version of myself than maybe the versions of ourselves that were breaking up a year ago. Or perhaps I feel a bit like I don't want to let my guard down and be emotional and vulnerable. And yet I think it's inevitable that that will happen. And how are you finding it being back in the same house with your soon-to-be ex-husband Mm, I think that um, there is a sweetness in it in that we've almost immediately fallen back into somewhat traditional roles. Hal was out doing some gardening yesterday. I've done the, the cliched thing of getting the lawnmower working, so that stuff's happening. I'm kind of head of vibes, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm much more into, right, what song do we need to listen to to cheer ourselves up this morning? <laughs> I think I'm a bit of a dreamer. And um, he's quite pragmatic and maybe it's a good combination in some ways. So we'll, I think I'm more likely to pull through with him than without him in this scenario. And it's also quite sensible. If things go wrong, then you really want to, to have somebody that can look out for you in the simplest of ways. Has... Being in forced proximity without anywhere 
to go. Reminded you of any of the reasons you wanted a divorce? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You never forget other people's bad habits. That's one of the great secrets of life. When people talk about their partners, their ex-partners or their current partners, um, you give them a couple of glasses of wine and they will t- start to talk about bad habits and the things that, that, that force people apart. He's been wearing his coat indoors. It's been driving me insane because it makes me feel like he might just walk out the door at any moment, which isn't very wise to do right now. And yeah, he eats horrible processed food, which I think is really bad for him. I think it's fair to say that we're quite conscious of them, of the things that we do that irritate and um, are perhaps making even more of an effort just not to do them. You know. I'm a morning person. I love getting up early. I love breakfast. I love the whole routine of the morning and opening the door and seeing what's going on outside. And he won't mind me saying, but he's a real—he's really a hibernator, a binge sleeper. That's always driven Helen mad. From her perspective, of course, it looks like I'm—I'm I'm wasting daylight hours. And from my perspective, I'm just trying to get my brain up to speed and function like a normal human human being uh, until that first coffee kicks in. And so I've already found myself going back to old patterns of saying, are you up? Do you want to, have you eaten anything? (laughs) Do you want a coffee? (laughs) Um, And I think that um, I'm probably very annoying. (laughs) I can see that right now. And what are you finding most difficult about living together now? Um, I think probably the most difficult thing is I want to phone my family and have an honest conversation about how I feel. I feel a little bit exposed. I feel a bit like I can't say anything out loud that I wouldn't want him to hear. I feel a little bit guarded all the time in a way that is slightly uncomfortable. But at the same time, I think we're probably more authentic with each other as well. So there is the distance and a certain different kind of respectfulness. But I think when we were struggling in our relationship, we weren't communicating very well. And now I think we are communicating in a more healthy way. Has it made you reevaluate? the divorce at all has it made you wonder why you went through with it to begin with no 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 (laughs) no I don't think so I mean we're both quite binary people in many ways and when a decision's made that's it uh and you know the decision to divorce is not something that's taken lightly so when that decision's made yeah it's fine move on it's simply not going to be the case with us that we decide that this is the time that we're going to look back over our shoulders I imagine that we'll stay in touch and that, you know, the, the years ahead will be slightly different because of what happens over the next few weeks. But in terms of reevaluating the actual divorce itself, no, no, not going to happen. No, definitely not. I, I appreciate you um, exploring that because I probably would ask exactly the same question. I'm, you know, I'm a uh, herbal tea loving 
vegetarian and he's a pot noodle loving um, carnivore. So I don't think we'll be getting together anytime soon, but I think we have a respect for one another's differences that perhaps, well, certainly speaking for myself, I, I, I think I didn't have as much respect for our differences as I do now. You know, it's no longer Helen and Kenny. I'm back to being Kenny and Helen's back to being Helen. You know, what's what's my ID? What do I represent right now? Is there any part of you that misses being married at a time like this? Um, yes. I suppose I would find it more comforting if I had somebody to cuddle. Um, and we are very respectful of each other's distance and I um I don't mean this in an offensive way but I have no desire to cuddle him um so I hope he won't mind me saying that I don't think he has any desire to cuddle me either um I miss that yeah I think um I'm a little bit jealous of people who have got someone that they want to be affectionate to with them even though I guess it's not good for germs but it might be comforting I, I suppose you are the perfectly social, socially distancing couple. Yes, absolutely. We've we, we've definitely uh, we've definitely been socially distant. We we have different areas of the house and different workspaces and separate rooms, and we sort of meet up for for lunch and dinner, and maybe there might you know we might break the scrabble out and go crazy this evening. You never know. Kenny and Helen, two exes in one house. Now to a couple with a very different problem. My name's Stephanie. I am an ER nurse here in Chicago. I'm 25 and yeah, that's pretty much it. My name is Katie. I'm a technology consultant. I live in Brixton, London, and I'm 26. Well, Steph, starting with you, um, tell me about your job. What's it like at the moment? Um, right now at the moment, it's uh, stressful. I think that we are bracing ourselves for a storm. Right now, we're not seeing anything like Italy or like New York or Madrid. But Chicago is definitely one of the most populous cities here in the United States. And right now, it's like part of like, you know, when you know that a hurricane's coming in and you're just doing everything possible to get ready for it. The cases that you're seeing already, I mean, what's surprised you about them or, or what, have you, what have you found most difficult? As I said before, we're still bracing ourselves for the patient surge that is yet to come, especially the ones that are most vulnerable. We haven't seen it here yet in our hospital, but for example, in New York, they're already facing shortages. They're already opening up, you know, ordering in more hospital beds. And I'm just scared for us to reach that point. You're on the front line of this, and and with all of that as a backdrop, with you know all of the stress of this massive pandemic coming your way, it's quite a moment to fall in love. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it really is. Um, it was definitely unexpected, but 100% real, and I'm sure of how I feel about Katie. Absolutely. Katie, tell me, how did you how did you meet? I was on a trip to Chicago with work. My agency just opened up a new office in Chicago on the 2nd of January. And I was there, brought over to deliver a talk, and I thought it would be fun to date an American girl. And so I downloaded Bumble, and we met on Bumble, actually, on my second day in Chicago, and I was there for two and a half weeks. And we spent the rest of my time there together. 
did you know instantly? I don't know if I believe in that. I knew instantly that we had a connection and I would definitely say it was the best first date I've ever had in my life, which was unexpected. I think we both thought it would be a fun date and, you know, very casual because I was in the US for 10 days at that point, which I extended slightly actually to stay with Steph for a little bit longer. When I walked into the bar, yes, I mean, I knew that I really fancied her. And then we had just a really fantastic first date. And yeah, we just had a really fantastic, fantastic time. And I think I knew very instantly that I wanted to see her again. Steph, what was it like for you? No, I mean, I definitely agree with Katie. Uh, I think we definitely both went in with the same expectations, which was really nice, you know. But no, as soon as she walked in, she sat right next to me and she was so confident. And my God, she was absolutely gorgeous. And like she said, like, I mean, our conversations were just fluid. Our connection was instant. I mean, it's it's so rare that that happens, that you know, you happen to be in the same city, you have a random uh, date from, from an app, and it works out so well. But your timing couldn't be worse. <laughs> yeah, it really couldn't have. <laughs> I think because we were on such time constraint, we were very open about our emotions. We you know, didn't play any games. We were very transparent and we knew that we wanted to see each other as soon as possible after she left Chicago. So we actually had a trip planned early April where I was supposed to visit Katie over in London for at least a couple days. And obviously that's been canceled. Um, And we don't know where we're going to see each other next, but I mean, we still talk every day. We have online Skype dates and Hopefully, yeah. see where we this did. Goes. We had like a four-hour date, more than that, the other night, and we. <laughs> this is really sad, but this this <laughs> really is just like in the age of Corona, we ordered, we wanted to like eat together, and obviously it's five hours ahead here in London, so we ordered each other Uber Eats to each other's houses, and obviously the app was like. <laughs> Yeah, said you seem very far away from this location um which obviously I was so that was quite sweet and then we kind of like ate together uh on a FaceTime which was pretty sweet I mean that's yeah that's the extent of dating right now that's incredibly sweet so is is, is that how you're doing it online dates and do you do you, do you dress up for for a Skype date or how does it work <laughs> We haven't gotten there yet because our schedule, I mean, I've been working a lot lately. I mean, I've been working some overtime, picking up extra shifts so we can, you know, uh, try to prepare for what's coming. But we definitely do have a dress up date planned ahead, I hope. Is it hard knowing that with everything that's happening and travel being suspended, you might not be able to see each other for months, at, at least, maybe longer? Yeah, it's definitely hard. I think... I mean, I'm seeing no one but my housemate right now. Um, so, you know, I think all of our lives have shifted and changed. I think it's a bit different for Steph, obviously, because you're still going to the hospital as an essential worker. But I think it's just reconditioning and re- rethinking what your kind of day-to-day looks like and just knowing that, like, we trust in how we feel about each other and at some point we're going to get to see each other. And I kind of think that's going to be all the more special when it does happen. Um, but don't get me wrong, it does bum me out, absolutely. Uh, it does make me sad. But there's no planning. At least, you know, it would be nice to be able to hold on to a date where we know that this is definitely going to be over and we can plan for it. But everything is just so uncertain right now. Does it help going through this incredibly difficult moment, you know, a big global pandemic? Does it help to have somebody to love? 
Absolutely. I think it does. Does it help you with your with what you're doing in your day-to-day work? Yes, it does. Absolutely. Um, I'm very thankful to have family that's very supportive, friends that are very supportive. But, I mean, the connection that I have with Katie, I know that I can just come to her. Like, if I've had a hard day, if I feel stressed at work, and I can just, like, vent to her. And I think it does make it better. And I think it's important to, like, have someone to love, too, because I think it helps you remain optimistic about everything in such a troubling time. help you get through isolation too definitely it's actually put my job into perspective a little bit but knowing what Steph is doing and knowing how she's contributing and and helping people in this and having the calmness and the, the brain that she has in the mix to help solve this kind of crisis really helps put in context the irritation sometimes I have with being isolated um, and being stuck in the house, it just seems like a very small thing to have to do versus some of the amazing people out there who are risking their health and giving so much of their energy and time and emotion to helping to save people's lives. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Helen, Kenny, Katie and Steph. In these uncertain times, if you want more information about coronavirus, you can access expert analysis on the latest developments with The Times' dedicated daily newsletter. Sign up for free at thetimes.co.uk slash coronavirus. The producers today were Ben Mitchell and Brenna Daldorf. The executive producer is Leo Hornack and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. You can subscribe now so that you never miss an episode. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and more.